The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. How innovation changed our lifestyle, the stock market panic, a new UN report, and understand why protesters are crying. Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the show exclusive to the Blaze where you come for the accent but you stay for the principles. I hope you're having a wonderful and blessed week. I want to start today's show by just having a, a conversation with you about something we need to do a lot more of actually looking at the good news in our world, looking at the the good side of life. You know, one of the things I'm blessed with, with, with y'all is, you know, you send me stuff and, you know, news articles and, and you, you know, we have a great back and forth about the show or about ideas or about principles. And I got a video this week of, of a comedy sketch. And there's, it's a comedy sketch, but it's also, it's kind of serious. And it's, it's, it's basically saying our world is doomed, uh, a new generation. And what it is, is it's a young guy and, he wakes up in a world without technology and it's kind of got a, a walking dead type theme to it and there's no zombies or there is no apocalypse. The apocalypse is he has to live without technology. So he, he you know, he wakes up in the morning and he puts his hand on the, the locker and there's no phone and he then gets up and, you know, gets to his computer desk and there's no computer and then he's out in the street and he's asking someone for directions and someone hands him like an old physical map. And it's 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 it is humorous. It's funny, but there's also that message of it's only kids, and kids are you know useless, and and if they take technology away from them, they 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 just die. And it got me kind of thinking because that's what I tend to do. I tend to see stuff, and I tend to think of things from a different perspective. And I want to have a conversation with you about our world, and I want to talk to you about a couple of different things. I want to lay a foundation for you. You know, we talk about a lot of serious issues on this show. We talk about, you know, overseas terrorism. We talk about debt. We talk about finances. We talk about, you know, the political parties. It's hard sometimes to actually look at all the good we see in our world. You know, one of the things we do in a society is we tend to take things for granted. We tend to think of just when something new comes out, it's like, oh, cool. And then it just becomes normal. It just becomes part of our everyday life. One of the frustrating things for me is is we never look at things or have a continued look at things with real awe. I say this as a Christian to, to fellow my fellow Christians. How much do you actually look at the world today and just think of, do you think of the world today and just be amazed at what is happening in a positive way? Like, just look at the, you know, just take something simple. Something very simple that happens in most places on a daily basis. It rains. 
in a place like Ireland, it does it a lot. Do you ever think of, do you ever look at rain and go, wow, I'm in awe of rain? Like, do you ever think of the process of rain and how much of a miracle it really is? I know when in Ireland, and I, I'm, I'm the world's worst offender at this, by the way, I see rain, I go, oh, come on, more rain, really? And you just look at rain as an inconvenience. It's like, oh, more rain, really? Come on. Just, you know, hold off till I get to the car. Hold off till I get to the next call. You know, that's the way you always think. Or hold off till I get home. Then it can do whatever it wants. But you actually think about the process of rain. You know, how the atmosphere gathers moisture. And then it goes up into these clouds that, you know, can only be described as cotton wool buds in the sky. And then at a certain point, they burst. And then rain comes down. Do you ever think of that? Do you ever think of our universe from the point of view of planets? And how we are as a planet, we are constantly rotating in a circle. We are constantly rotating. And this, our solar system and our plants, planets are rotating around us. But yet we never really move. And how we are able to just walk. It's one of the reasons, you know, people always say to me, why are you Christian? Why do you believe in in a higher power because i don't think it's logical in my brain now i'm not dismissing anyone's beliefs here but i don't see how it's logical to say you know what there was these big two meteorites and there's this big bang happened or or whatever way other people think the, the our earth formed and our world formed and all of this has just happened for me i look at our world as a miracle it really is, and it's a miracle every minute of every day that we don't go sliding and spinning like a meteor into space. And that we are able to just walk and live life. We live in a world that is a miracle. I am in awe of our planet. I am in awe of our planet, of the sun going up and the sun setting. We just look at this, you know, we get up in the morning, we know... You know, depending on whether it's winter or summer or fall or spring. You know, the sun, we get up in the morning and we expect to see the sun at some stage. And at that night, we expect to see the sun go down. We expect it. It's just part of our daily routine. But we never look at it and kind of go, wow, there's really a miracle there. There's something, there's some meaning there. But now bring it to your everyday life. For context, I'm my I'm in my mid thirties. I'm getting old. I feel old. I'm going to talk to you like I'm an old man now. Back in my day, but I'm in my mid thirties. I'm not that old. I'm technically a millennial. Millen, you know the word I'm trying to say, millennial. I'm technically one of those. I don't claim to be one, but technically I am. I scrape in, I believe. But think of how much our world has changed in the last five years, in the last ten years. In the last 15, 20 years. Just actually think about the advancements we have made in my lifetime. Not 100 years, not 50 years, not 200 years. The last 10, 20 years. And how much better our lives have become. I always say this, but to show you how much technology has advanced. I couldn't do this show when George Bush was president. I don't believe the technology and the power was there. Or was available to me. I probably wouldn't have had the research capabilities to do this show or to do it to the standard that I try and do it to each and every week. But just think of your everyday life. 
and just think about how much things have changed in your lifetime, regardless of what age you are. I'm going to go through some of them. Think of how much your house has changed from when you were growing up. It's commonplace today for houses to have what we call central heating. This idea of, you know, gas will pump an engine, will pump water through radiators and produce heat and produce warmth for your house. When I was growing up, we didn't have them. Most houses today have them. You know, today, when I was growing up, our windows were all single glazed, which is just one pane of glass. Today you have double glazing, you have triple glazing to keep the warmth in, the cold out, to keep noises in, to keep noises out. Most houses today have two toilets. We grew up with one toilet. In fact, in the house I am, we still only have one toilet. But, you know, it's common now places for have two toilets, maybe three toilets. Heck, some people have an ensuite. How many times, how much do we appreciate running water? When I was growing up, and I used to get into my granddad's farm, we used to have to go outside to get water. And you'd bring it in in a basin. And that would, you know, you'd fill it to, you know, wash the delf and the cutlery, wash your hands, pour, obviously, different basins. You know, use it to pour into the kettle to boil a cup of tea. Today, we just, you know, put on the faucet and we get water. You know, things like recliners. You know, recliners are pretty much a common theme in a living room today. They weren't, you know, commonplace when we were growing up. In fact, if when I was growing up, you said you're going to put your feet on a, a seat, you'd be smacked a bit. That was an act of disrespect. Think of all the TVs. I don't know what size my TV was, but I'm sure it was similar size to yours when we were growing up. It was probably three foot by three foot by three foot. Now it's, you know, 42 inches and it's probably, you know, a couple of inches thick. It's amazing. When we were growing up, I can, I can tell you exactly how many stations I had when we were growing up. I can still name the six stations. We had six stations. If, it wa- if whatever you wanted to watch was not on those six stations, guess what? You didn't watch TV. In fact, you had to watch telly live. You used to have to come in. If you wanted to see a show at 6.30, you had to come in at 6.30 to watch it. And you had to hope, if you lived in a bigger household, that you know you had to book that TV time. I'm watching this show on this channel at this time. And you know, you'd know you have to, if there was something else on that your, your brother, your sister, your parents wanted to watch, well, guess what? If you were the young person or you were the lower on the to- podium toe, you didn't watch it. There was no replays. Today, you know, you can record TV, you can pause TV, you can fast forward, you can rewind, you can watch it later on. You don't have to sit through ads. You have all these apps like Netflix and Hulu and Roku and Amazon TV. All these different apps. It's all technology. It's unbelievable. You know, think of your kitchen. You know, when I was growing up, you had to wash your tea, your, your cutlery and your delf. Now most people just put them in a dishwasher. You know, you had fridge freezers. When I was growing up, a fridge was a fridge. You know, you'd put your milk and your, your fruit and vegetables and your butter and things in it. Now a fridge like suspenses water and ice. Look at the food choices you have today. When I was growing up in Ireland, you know, there was an off-season. There were certain seasons that you could only get certain things. And if it was during the off-season, when things were growing, you didn't have it. 
Today, you can get any food you want at any time. In fact, you can get food from so many different cultures. There's a shop we go to, we shop quite a bit in it. It's, you know, the value shop. It's, it's probably similar to Walmart. And every couple of weeks or month, they have different specials of, of other cultures. Like, for example, in the start of July for two weeks, they had American Week, which turned into two weeks for Independence Day. They had American burgers, American chicken nuggets, and, you know, all different American products. They had um, American barbecue sauce, loads of different things. Different cultures, they have Spanish week, they have Greek week, they have French week, they have German week. All different things to get different cultures. When I was growing up, we didn't have that. It was the Irish culture and that was it. Look at entertainment. How we entertain ourselves today. You know, you can read any book you want. You know, if there's a certain type of, you know, book you want, you get it. You can get it in physical copy, you can get it in hard copy, you can listen to it, you can download it on your Kindle. You can download it on any smart tablet that has the Kindle app. You can watch it sometimes. It's amazing. Back in the old days, it was you bought, you went to the bookstore, and if the bookstore didn't have it, tough. Look at the other entertainment that we have. How we entertain ourselves. TV shows. There's a station over here called Sky Atlantic. And it literally focuses on one aspect. And it's American TV. For example, I can watch Bill Maher if I wanted to. It's about a, a couple of days or three days later, but it's his show. I think it's on Sunday night over here, and it's on Friday, I believe, in the States. But that shows you how much it's changed. The culture has changed. I can get new stations from the Mediterranean, from America, from... I can get Al Jazeera over here, which is annoying, but that's it is what it is. Choices. You know, when I was growing up, if you said, if someone said to you, hey, you want to go play a game? Automatically, you'd assume, hey, let's go outside and play. Go out and play a game of soccer. Let's go out and play something. Hide and seek, whatever it was. We used to play all these different games. Now, if someone says, let's play a game to you, you automatically think, you know, Xbox or PlayStation. It can be, you know, Call of Duty or Grand Theft Auto or any other type of game. I'm not really a gamer, so I don't know. I don't have any of those consoles. You know, think of the computers that you have. The computing power everyone has today. When I had, when we got our first PC, and we were one of the few people that in, in my climate clicked that one of the first set of people who actually got a computer, I can remember exactly what that computer did. It had Microsoft Word to type documents and to do exercises on. It had Microsoft Excel, which was spreadsheets. I had a couple of games. I remember the games. There was Solitaire, which was cool. There was Minesweeper, to, which is, to this day, I still have not got a freaking clue how to play that game. And you had the internet. But think of how quickly, you know, how much our power has changed, how technology has changed. You know, I switch on my PC now. I enter in my password and I'm good to go. Pretty much instantaneously. Just start it up. I click on the, the browser on Firefox. Good to go. When I was growing up, you, you had to put in your password. You had to let the computer warm up. It was like, you know, what you used to have to do with your car in the old days, you know, in the cold weather. You have to go outside and put the car on and just let it run for a couple of minutes to, you know, let the juices flow. And then you'd have to switch on the internet. And then what you'd have to do is not just switch on the internet. You'd actually have to, you know, go into your browser, hit connect to your dial-up internet. And then you have all that noise. 
And then a couple of minutes later, it connected to the internet. But there wasn't much on it. Think of the power you have in your smartphone. Most people have a smartphone. My mother has an iPhone. My mother is not very technology friendly. But she's on her iPhone. She has her email. She gets emails from, you know, different sites. She's on the church website. This is what my, one of my things my mother does, which is amazing. The technology. Every morning at 10 a.m., she logs onto her local Catholic church to see who says mass. That's the power she has on her phone. On a phone. We didn't have mobile phones when we grew up. In fact, I remember the, one of the first mobile phones was a car mobile phone. You couldn't take it anywhere. It was in your car. It was great, but it was in your car. Think of how the music, you know, I'm a, I love my music. How much music has changed in my lifetime. And I've gone through many changes. Again, I'm ter- in my mid-30s. Music has changed. If you're a younger person, if you're under the age of maybe 20-ish, 22, 23, you've missed out on the fun of music. Like the real fun. The real fun of music was when you used to have a cassette player and a cassette tape and you just wanted to, you know that song, your favorite song you could listen to time and time again, where you had to, you know, fast forward or rewind, and then you'd go too far and you'd have to go the other way. And then you'd have to, you know, you'd go a bit too far the other way and then you had to fast forward or rewind again. You know, you have to do it three, four, five, six times just to get to the start of your favorite song. I remember those those days. Those days were fun. They were annoying as hell, but they were fun. And then this thing came in, this revolutionary idea of, yeah, cassette players are, you know, old school. You need a, a Walkman, a Discman, where we're going to play it on a CD. And you can listen to it. If, you want your, if your song is the sixth song on the album, good for you. Just press six and you can get it. Now we have iPhones. We have an iPod. You can listen to music on your phone. You can watch music videos for free on YouTube all day long for free. It's amazing. Think of how much our communication has changed. I did an interview this week with a a great guy in Connecticut, Talk Radio. And I did it from the car park of a phone using Skype. Free. You can phone anyone around the world if you both have Wi-Fi and a computer. You can phone computer to computer for free. You can do that through Facebook. You can actually phone people through Facebook. That is the world we live in. All these things that are free education there is no excuse anymore to be dumb to be uneducated yes there's a lot of misinformation out there and you've got to question everything but there is so much access to knowledge today you know one of the there's a great part in that video is that inspired this where i think the quote was there's nothing left to fear but fear itself and the guy goes that was gandhi he's like no it wasn't that wasn't gandhi he's like yes it was it was gandhi said that he's like i've got to go wikipedia and the guy's like, because there's no technology, and he's playing along. He's like, what's Wikipedia? Now, it's scary that people are taking Wikipedia as a credible source, but let's move on from that part. But you can just Google anything. You can Google any fact that you want. When I was growing up, and you wanted to learn something, if you, let's say, I use this example all the time, if you want to go read about the man on the moon, who landed on the moon, who, what was the astronaut's name, what was his quote, what flag did he plant, you've got to go read books. Got to go research, and then you'd probably have to read another book. And you'd have to go, you know, look up the back of the book, you know, the hard thing you had to do, where we'd have to look up the back of the book, the references, the codes, and then you'd get to, well, that's on page 103. Then you'd have to go to page 103 and read it. 
And like if it was a big popular reference, it might be on page 103 and 264 and page 4. And you'd have to go through to find what you're looking for. And then you might have to get another book. And you all had to go to the library. Now you just Google it. Just Google it. Wikipedia, if that's your thing. You can research it. If you find something like, you know, if you want to put in a random search, you know, you can go to a place like TED Talks. They do great talks by different people. They do crappy talks as well. They do frightening talks, but it's a great resource to, to watch. You can watch people on YouTube. You can learn anything you want. In fact, education and knowledge is so f- available today that there are certain people, certain colleges, like MIT, I believe, does this, where they make their, their degree programs available online for free. Yes, you won't get a degree out of it. You won't get a cert to say you've done it. But you can go study anything you want. If there's something you're not knowledge about, go do it. It's free. We have no reasons to be you know, dumb anymore. It takes work. It takes time. It takes effort. But all the resources are there. You have things like Amazon. I do this on a regular basis, like maybe once a month or every two months. And I will never get through all the books I've bought through Amazon for free. I bought, a, I said this a couple of months ago, I bought 10 or 12 books of Edmund Burke's writings. I'll never read every page of that. I openly admit it, but they were free. I'll glance them and I can, you know, if it's not interesting, I'll move on to the next letter or on to the next part of it. But it's free. You can have that access. If you don't like politics, you can listen to, you know, if politics bores you. You can listen to all the classics or read all the classics for free. There is no reason to be ignorant anymore. It's amazing, all the advancements that we have. I always say this, but 10, 20 years ago, I couldn't do this show. Forget the technology involved to actually do this and and to get my show over to the blaze to edit and go through all that and all the platforms we're on. Just the knowledge. How How I was taught. I wasn't taught a lot of stuff in school. I was not some type of kid who was in school going, I love school. In fact, I hated school. And I don't mean I don't mean the typical I hated school like every kid says. I mean I really hated it. I hated every minute of it because of what happened when I was in school. But what how I have learned I'm self taught because of things been free the internet been able to study been able to research been able to research history. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Look at fashion. You know, when we were growing up, you know, you had certain stores and you had the, you know, you had the, you go into Dublin City to buy stuff. Now you don't have to do that. You can sit from the comfort of your own home. You can go to all these fashion houses in London and Paris and New York. I'm, I'm, you know, if you, if you've seen me, you know, my clothes are, I'm very fascist conscious. I'm, I'm, I'm hip on fashion. You know, my choices and when I get up in the morning are, you know, should I wear the white polo neck or, or the blue polo neck or the black polo neck? Hmm. Choices. Hmm, or should I wear my blue jeans or my black jeans? Hmm, that, you know, so I'm so fascist con- fashion conscious. But if you're fashion conscious, you have all the access. You have all these different perfumes, you have all these different purses, all these different accessories. You can buy them anywhere, just from the click of your own home. You have access to everything. You know, even something simple that I am into. You know, football jerseys. 10, 15 years ago, I couldn't get a... If I wanted to get a Yankees jersey, I had to go to New York. Which was a great excuse to go to New York. But now, I can go on to many different sites, buy a Yankee jersey or a New York Giants jersey. And buy it and get it shipped out to me and I have it in a couple of weeks. That's the advantage of the world we live in today. Media. 
You know, the old days of, you know, you had to listen to the mainstream media to watch TV. Don't have to watch the news anymore. No one does. You have all these different websites. You have companies like The Blaze, CRTV, Mojo 5 All these different companies. The Daily Wire. You have more competition. It's amazing how much our world has changed. Now, has it all been for better? You can make that decision yourself. But how much our world and our lives have changed in the last 5, 10, 20 years. It is so important to remember. Look how much our lifestyle has changed. Communication. How we communicate with each other. Our medicine. You know, what's in your medicine cabinet today compared to what was in it 20 years ago? Access to, you know, medicine. Access to alternative medicine. How our kids' lifestyles have changed. You know, I was talking to a client of mine uh, on Wednesday. And she's got a young kid, a, a young boy who's gone off on his first school trip. You know, they go off together as, you know, a trip with all the, the boys in school or the girls in school. Um, her son. And, you know, when we were growing up, we had school trips. When I was growing up, the school trip was down to, you know, a different heritage farm or down to, you know, an, an animal wildlife place down in Rosslare, which is about 45, 50 minutes drive from where we lived. This kid, today, going to Paris. Five days in Paris. Going to Disneyland. That's just the norm. Other places, people go to Germany and stuff. They travel. You know, even if you look at, you know, Americans. You remember the old family vacation, the old typical family vacation. You know, take the car on the road or used to go to Bush Gardens. You know, people going all overseas. Look how much travel has changed. You know, when I was growing up, it was a big deal to go to the UK. It was like 300 pounds probably to get a ticket to go to the UK, to fly into the UK. I can go to the UK for 40 euro now. When I was going to America, it probably cost a thousand plus pounds to get into America. If I book at the right time and I go in the, you know, into the right city, I can fly to America for less than 400 bucks now. In fact, there's actually a way I can get to New York, return, I think it's about 270 bucks. It's amazing. Now, you can't, that's not including luggage, but it's with a, a package airline. But that's so cheap. Our world has changed. Travel, everyone has traveled. Look at how much our life has changed over the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Our life has changed a lot. And sometimes it's important just to take a step back and just go, you know what? We are really in a privileged position. We really are living. There are major issues right now, and we're going to talk about them when we come back. But it's important to remember the good times. It's important to remember how much we have advanced. Why did I start here today? I'll tell you when I get back after this break. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. The Glenn Beck Program. Let me take you back to the Niemöller poem. You know, first they came for the communist and the capitalist, and I said nothing. Why did the people back then say nothing? Because they were not either a capitalist or a communist. They weren't a Jew, and so they didn't say anything because they probably did it. You know, Hitler is saying that these guys are really trying to tear down the state. They're probably doing that because it didn't involve them. But the last line of the poem is, when they came for me, there was no one left to speak for me. The Glenn Beck Program.
Freedom's Disciple On Demand. On the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, this show is released every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. We're on all major platforms. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Omni FM, CastBox. What I'd ask you to do is if I could ask you a favor, um, please subscribe to each show. Uh, whatever platform you're listening on right now, please subscribe. But also, if you listen on a platform, especially like iTunes, um, which has an algorithm, if I could ask you to subscribe, leave a rating, and also review the show. The reason I ask this is because iTunes is like an algorithm, and the more ratings you get and the more reviews you get, the more chance we have of growing. And this show is growing each and every week, and I want to thank you for that. But if you can please help us continue to grow, leave a rating, subscribe, review, race. Really appreciate that. Why did I start today's show by talking to you about how our life has changed? Two reasons. Because I want to talk to you about some big stories that happened this week that need your attention. Firstly, you're starting to go through election cycles. It's election season. And I'm not going to tell you who's going to win, or because I don't know. I don't know who's going to win what race. I'm not a political person. I couldn't even tell you the breakdown of the House or the Senate and who's up for election and stuff. Who's risky, what's a you know, swing state, I have no idea. There are other shows who do great jobs of this. I'm not your guy. But elections are coming. And your midterm elections have always been... It's the times of season that kind of really ramps up. So you get to your, to your midterm elections, which will happen in a couple of weeks... Then you'll have Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year where everyone kind of takes a breath and just goes, okay, midterms are over. And then sometime around January, February, March, it all starts, Iowa will be invaded. You look at, if you live in Iowa, lucky you. And it all will start to build up to 2020. The Democrats in certain circles, whether it's through their politicians or whether it's through the media, whether it's through their talking heads, are starting to say, you know what, we're democratic socialists. And they're going to start, starting to come out. You're starting to hear this term. And eventually what is going to happen is they're going to start talking about socialism. And they're going to start trotting out all these stats that sound absolutely wonderful. Or sound really bad if they want to pull on your heartstrings. Depending on your worldview. And one of them is always this stat that gets pulled out about, you know, well, you know, in America and around the world, you know, the people who have got squeezed are the middle class. You know, everyone talks about the middle class in America. Republicans do it, conservatives do it, Democrats do it. They all admit it in each election, whether it's 2016, whether it's 2012, whether it's 2008. Go back as far as you want. They both agree that uh, the key to success is a strong, vibrant, healthy, big base of middle class people. You're going to hear this stat of, well, you know, the middle class has got squeezed. And, you know, the medium income in real dollars hasn't changed at all. hasn't gone up at all since 1979, or depends on what year they pick. But given a take around 1980. I'm sure, I don't know whether they're brazen enough right now because to, you know, talk about Ronald Reagan in a negative way, maybe they are. Usually they always, even Democrats, gave Ronald Reagan credit. But this is a new breed of Democrat that you're dealing with now. But they'll blame him on, you know, dismantling the unions. You'll hear more talk about the Supreme Court ruling on, you know, right to work. 
And you'll hear this stat about how you know the medium income hasn't changed. The reason I started today's show is for two reasons. One, sometimes I believe we need to do a better job of just sharing the news that's out there and the bad news and warning you and talking to you about principles. But also at, at times to take a step back and go, you know what, there are all these problems, but let's look at the good things. Let's look at the good things that has happened in society. What you're going to see is this argument about how the middle class and how the medium income hasn't changed. It's easy to focus in on numbers. What you see in the, the, the minimum wage argument over in America right now, and you see this around the world, is it's just $15 an hour. You never talk about the quality of life. Because they know if they talk about the quality of life, it's a different conversation. When you hear the medium income hasn't changed in the last 30 years, statistically that is true. In fact, it's gone down by about a buck, give or take. The two things they never will talk about this. One is the standard of living. And how, with the exception of housing, education, and medicine, pretty much everything has got cheaper. You see, the argument in about money is not about your minimum wage or how much you earn it's about your spending power i always say this and i've actually used this example to people if i said to you and i use the old cliche that i'm sure you've all heard if i say to you will you work for me for a dollar a day what's your answer your answer most people would say god no the question you should ask is well if i work for you for a dollar a day what's my spending power like in your world Because if I said to you, work for me for a dollar a day, and off of that dollar a day you can comfortably live, you'll have a nice house, you'll have food, you'll have a car, you'll have a holiday a year, you know, whatever your criteria is. Look at how many things people have today that they didn't have 20 years ago. 30 years ago, 38 years ago if you use the 1979 stat. Look at how much things have got better. Look how much things have got cheaper. There's a reason for that. We can have two conversations. We can talk about minimum wage all you want. Because you're going to start hearing this. The push for $15 is coming back in America. And that push is going to hurt the most vulnerable in society. Especially with automation. It's going to hurt businesses. It's going to hurt businesses. Especially businesses who rely on on the old school model of business, which is you need a physical premises. Especially if you need a physical premise in a city. You are going to see businesses change. And if businesses don't change or adapt to the business in 2018, they're going to go out extinct. They're going to go out of business. That is going to happen. You know, there's a, there was a report, a couple, I think it was a couple of years ago now, or maybe that's just what it feels like, but by Bain Capital, which said by, I think it's 2020 or 2025, the unemployment rate will be 30%. Now, I don't know whether that's true or not, but we need to have these conversations. We need to have conversations right now with the American people. And they cannot involve politics. They cannot be from a side. They cannot be from an agenda. If you are like me and you believe that if the American people are good, decent people, they're good, humble, decent, truth-seeking people, 
And I, when I say the American people, I'm not talking about the protesters in D.C. We need to make that distinction. I am sick to death of people. When I talk about Democrats, they only point to the people in the media. Well, look, you, you they're your Democrats. Those people who were on the Supreme Court last week. Yeah, you think that's every Democrat? If you do, I'm sorry to tell you, you are wrong. There are Democrats out there who just are Democrats. There are people who voted for Donald Trump who voted for Barack Obama twice. Right? This changes. But I believe your people are good. Not the media. Not your politicians. Not the people who are around it. The activists. I mean the average American people. Unless you've changed in the last 365 days since I was there last September, your people are good. But we have the responsibility, the duty, to give them the choice for real good. And I don't mean, well, the Democratic Party sucks, so vote Republican. Or walk away from the Democratic Party and go register to be a Republican. I mean real good. The answer to democratic socialism is not the big government policies of the GOP. The answer to democratic socialism is not Republican Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell way of thinking. The answer to democratic socialism is the same as it was when it was changed, when it was under different names. Heck, you can use any label you want that is in modern day language. We can use leftist if you want. The answer is the same. You can use democratic socialism. The answer is the same. You can believe, like my boss does, that we're in a postmodernist society and this postmodernism idea, okay, the answer is the same. You can use the old term. You can call them all progressives. The answer's still the same. You can go on and, you know, call them a bunch of commies. The answer's the same. The answer is not what's found in D.C. The answer is not what's found in the Republican Party. Heck, the answer isn't even what's found in the Tea Party today. The answer is showing real principles. Having a discussion about economics. Having a discussion about freedom. Because when you look at what the democratic socialists are saying about job losses, yeah, We feel those job losses too. But what's your solution? More government. Our solution should not be the Republican solution. Their solution is less government. It's following the Constitution. How can I back this up to say, you know what? What I'm saying is true. Go back to the charts that they will will probably highlight. They'll say, well, look at all these, you know, increases in how things have got more expensive in the last 30 years. Healthcare is out of control. You saw this in the whole Obamacare debate. Healthcare is out of control. Costs of healthcare are going through the roof. Mm Mm-hmm. First of all, a party that had a president and a party that supported a president that lied and said you'll get a rebate of $2,500, you don't have any credibility on this issue for a start. Because you lied. It wasn't that you just didn't hit it. You lied. It was never going to happen. It was impossible. Basic common sense understanding says if you're going to insure more people, premiums don't go down. doesn't work that way. But healthcare, 
will be one they'll bring up. Education is one they'll bring up. They'll probably even bring up the housing. They'll say, well, okay, life has got better, John, okay. But housing, housing's gone through the roof. Mm-hmm. Housing, education, health. What do all three of those have in common? They're all some of the most heaviest regulated industries in America. What industries are changing? Let me give you an example from personal experience. For the last three and a half years, I have worked around the alcohol sector. The alcohol sector in America and in Ireland and around the world used to be heavily regulated. Let's just talk about America. The alcohol section used to be very regulated. The FDA. You all had prohibition over there. What's one of the benefits of deregulation of the alcohol industry? Hmm. What's the one be- What's one of the benefits? Oh, that's right. You've got more products to choose from. Let me give you an example that you've all heard of from an Irish point of view. The old days, you know, 10, 20 years ago, we had Guinness. Everyone knows Guinness. Ireland's famous for it. It's arguably Ireland's biggest export. You had some other products. You had Budweiser. You've all heard of that. You had Coors. Comes from the, the heart of the Rockies. You had Heineken. What's happened with competition? The fact that you now have a business model that says, you know, competition is good. You've had the big companies continuing their grip on the market, yes. But you've also had all these craft beers. You have all these beers with different flavors. You have a beer now that is the taste of a snickerdoodle. That is the idea of free markets. The idea that you say you can set up your own business. And the people will decide whether you're successful or not. Because they'll either part with their money for your product or service or they won't. What you're going to see right now and up in the lead up to 2020 is pure socialism on steroids from the left. They are going through a party, especially if you follow what's happening right now. They're going to out-socialism each other. They're going to be, I can give you the most goodies. And, oh, well, you've given this, I'm going to give all these. They're going to give goodies away. What is the answer? Is the Republican answer to be, well, let's just follow the Republican Party. They give goodies, but just not as much. And we'll wrap it in the guise of some type of conservatism or limited government. Or is the answer the same it's always been? True, limited government. Where you follow the Constitution. Where you understand that there are 18 clauses in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. That all powers are vested in Congress. And that Article 2 power is effectively a figurehead. And that everything else is left up to the states. Because here's the second thing that's going to happen. And I warned against this. You can go back and listen to the shows. All the shows are available. One of my biggest frustrations from this administration and the last administration is how people have changed the musical chairs on the stock market. You both sides have said, when they say, look at this successful economy, look at how great our economy is, look at how great the American economy has grown. The stock market's at all-time highs. Both Barack Obama and Donald Trump have said this, and their supporters have said this. You cannot base the success or failure of any economy on its stock markets, especially an economy like America. 
And America has so many small businesses, has so many businesses. And you think a healthy, successful business or a healthy, successful economy is defined by 30-odd businesses on the stock market? Are you crazy? Especially when the stock market is so intertwined. The stock market right now, I'm going to give you some cold hard truth about the stock market in America right now. And you're not going to like this if you like Donald Trump. So there's your trigger warning. But this has nothing to do with Donald Trump. The stock market is overpriced. If you are sitting and looking for a good investment right now, for a long-term investment, you are going to sit out the, the stock market for a while and see what it does. Because it is overstretched. There are many indices that point to this. Historic bull run. It's never been this good for so long. The price-to-earnings ratio is nearly double to what it is on an average and it is higher than it was in the Great Depression. I'm not going to get into all these numbers because some of y'all, your eyes will glaze over. There are many indices that says this stock market is overpriced and it's overheated. Does that mean the American economy is all of a sudden not good? No. You also have to understand that every economy is so interlinked today that there could be America's economy, it's not, but America's economy could be fundamentally sound and something overseas could set it off. The American stock market is not and will never be, regardless of who's president. George Washington, Ronald Reagan, Calvin Coolidge, Barack Obama, Bill Clinton. The answer is the same regardless who's president, guys, girls, gang. The stock market is not a good indicator. But because so many people have bought this myth, because it was politically expedient when Barack Obama was president, because the economy wasn't fundamentally sound, and it was kind of really sluggish, but the stock market was there to point to because it was going up, because it had recovered so much from the lows of the last Great Depression, the, the, the Great Recession of 2008. It was great stat to point to. And then you had Donald Trump elected, and then the stock market really started to grow. Because you had a businessman there. The, the sentiment was good when Donald Trump was elected. But he pointed it out. All the Republicans pointed it out. So everyone has bought into this narrative now that the stock market is good. We need to share the truth. Because what happened this week was the stock market had a really, really bad day on Wednesday. And there's a lot of uncertainty of how this goes. There are two, a couple of ways this could go. One, this could just be a blip. This could just be a blip. You know, because things change. Things get overbought. They start going up and up and up. And then all of a sudden, everyone kind of goes, I think I want to sell. I've made my bit of money. And then they go down. There's not such a demand. And then they buy in again. It could just be a blip. However, there's a chance it's not. There's a chance there's some deeper meaning to it. The fear I have right now is that because both sides are basing the success or failure of the American economy on a stock market, let me tell you what that's the equivalent of. That's the equivalent of walking into Vegas and putting all your money on Black 7. Or let's make it a bigger bet. It's all going on black. 
Now, there's a 50-50 shot it might work if you have the right policies. But there's also a 50-50 shot it won't work. Are you willing to lose elections because of that bet? Are you willing to make that bet on behalf of your fellow citizens? Because I will tell you, my opinion, this is only my opinion, it is not a smart bet, regardless of what party you are, whether you're Donald Trump, a Republican, a Democrat, whether it's in the past or whether it's in the future, this will stay the same. We need to have an honest conversation about what's happening around the world. Because there are economic bad things happening. Tariffs are happening. Yes, tariffs are bad. Tariffs are not a good thing. There is a fundamental reason why, regardless of the history of the world, regardless of the country you pick, every country that has practiced tariffs has failed. And when I say the the country hasn't failed, the idea has failed, and it has hurt its citizens. And it has hurt the citizens of who the tariff was against, because invariably they respond with tariffs. Tariffs do not work. If you don't like what I'm saying, prove me wrong. Go read history and say, okay, this is when tariffs work. I'd love to see it. Tweet me, Facebook me, I'd love to hear it. I've never heard anyone say tariffs work. But you're also seeing major crises coming on the line. And one of them we spoke about last week, your debt. No one is serious in DC about your debt. No one. You added $1.2 trillion to the debt in the last calendar year. Ended the 30th of September. You added $1.2 trillion. That is going to catch up. I don't know. I, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you when the American economy fails. I cannot tell you that. And anyone who says they can is either making a very educated guess or is pure out lying to you or is just trying to get a cheap hit to say, well, this person said it's going to end in a month or in six months or two years. The truth is you do not know. The truth is about the American economy is you are more resilient than most people would have thought possible. If we go back to 20 years ago, I share this story all the time. I honestly thought you'd get your act together around the debt when, you know what, when the debt clock had to come down in Manhattan. I share this story all the time. Only an American could put in Manhattan, in the tourist mecca of America probably, or one of them, a clock that says, hey, this is how much money we borrowed, and think it's a cool thing. When you all had to take that, I said, when you take that down and you realize you've run out of digit, people will wake up. That was a 10 trillion. Didn't wake up. You're now at 21. Neither party talks about debt anymore. Do you ever notice that? When was the last time you heard a story in the media about debt? Debt just keeps going up. Government just keeps growing. Just keep kicking the can down the road. Eventually, no expert would say a country that has 20 trillion in debt plus over 100 trillion in unfunded liabilities is successfully. It won't do it. America is. America is the exception. This is not something to be proud of. As in, yeah, well, we can borrow 20 trillion. No, this is something you need to sort out. Because it might be a week, it might be a month, it might be a year, it might be 10 years from now. Eventually, you're not going to have success. And you're going to have to repay that debt with mega high interest rates. Because this is the last story I want to talk to you about on economics. The Fed is raising the interest rates. And here's the problem. 
Again, research your own history. Don't take my word for it. Donald Trump said troubling things about the Fed this week. Fact check point number one. Was what he said right? Yes. Was it wise? No. The truth of the matter is, the situation of the political class and the political power in D.C., especially around the Federal Reserve, is not good. You do not attack them because they will ruin your economy. There is a reason if you go read Ronald Reagan's presidency, how he was really tough on the Federal Reserve and then all of a sudden he shut up. Now we can debate that another time whether he should have shut up or whether he shouldn't have. But there's a chance you, if he didn't shut up, you didn't win the Civil War, or sorry, not the Civil War, the Cold War, and you don't have the economy that you had. We need to start talking about the bad things, but being the side of principles. The principles are the same. It's limited government. Man individually writes. Man deserves to be free, not controlled. Man deserves to pursue their happiness. And yes, there's a role for government. It's true the Constitution, true Article 1, Section 8, where power is in Congress, true Article 2, where it's a figurehead, and everything else is left to the states. Good or bad, it's left to the states. We need to be the side. We need to be the people that when people talk about democratic socialism or progressivism or leftism or socialism or communism or postmodernism, we need to be the side that's always presenting the facts for truth, for principles, for the principles that worked. The first segment of the show is a result, is the outcome of what those freedoms have given us. They have made our world universally better. But if we don't share those principles, who will? Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. country has been pushed to the limit. Our political bonds have been torn apart. We need a true leader who can save us from certain doom. (laughs) Unfortunately, we could only find this guy. Hey, it's Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck is coming live to talk about the right path forward and to make fun of the people standing in the way. He might not be able to save the country, but at least we can all go down laughing. Glenn Beck Live, the Addicted to Outrage Tour, on tour this fall. For tickets, VIP packages, and more, visit glennbeck.com. Disciple on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, Mark. Before we continue, I just want to give a big shout out and thank you to everyone who's supporting the project I'm running at the minute to, to raise money for Mercury One and through the free market, through selling hoodies and t shirts. We've got two designs out, more are coming. One is America making the impossible possible since 1776, second one is mo- my motto for this show always principles, never personal. Never personal, always principles. That's what this show is about. We so far have raised over $500. Next goal is 1000 I can't do this without you, so I want to give a big thank out to you. If you, It's coming up to the holiday season. If you want a great hoodie or a great t-shirt with a great message, 
that's going to help charity, help Mercury One. Please go to freedomsdisciple.com slash store. You can see different colors, different sizes, different designs. I think you'll love them. I think it's a great message. It's not a political message. It's a message I believe we need to share right now. And if you need to have a gift or a Christmas gift or birthdays coming up, please help us. And please consider checking them out. But over $500 raised so far. It's actually way over 500 But we're on the next goal to 1000 I can't do it without you, so thank you. Next story I want to talk to you about. Before I do, actually, if I may make a political statement. Um, I'm not a big fan of politicians. This might come across on on a true show. I hope it does because it's what I am. I'm not a big fan of politicians. I don't promote any of them. But I want to give a... When people do a good job whether you're Donald Trump or the Republican Party, you know, I, I, I'll salute you. I'll say when you do a good job. I'll also say when you do a bad job. This week, I think America got weakened a bit with the loss of Nikki Haley from the UN. I don't, I'm not reading into it. I don't care about the conspiracies that they had a fallen out or she's going, you know, I've seen all these different scenarios where she's going to take, Lindsey Graham's going to, you know, go to the AG's office and she's going to take his seat or... Oh, I'm not buying into I don't read any of that. I I see them. I don't pay any attention to them. But she did a fantastic, fantastic job at the UN. And to be honest, I feel sorry for her because I don't know how she did it for two years. You know, if you had to walk into that room, basically, you know, I remember the whole um, Greg Abbott when he was under Rick Perry. His job was, I go into work, I sue the federal government, I leave. You know, her job was, I go in, I yell at tyrants and despots and I leave. But I don't know how you keep yourself doing that job for a long time. Because uh, if it was me, can you imagine me as UN in the UN? I was seriously like just, actually, no, that would not be good. Because I, be I would not be a loving person. I got it. Let's just put it that way. I'd, I'd scream at everyone. Uh, and I, I would filibuster the hell out of any time I ran or Russia or China or South North Korea. Actually, pretty much any country started talking, I'd filibuster the hell out of them. I'd be like, you can't talk. It's my turn. Um, even though I don't think they have a filibuster in the UN. But great job. You did a fantastic job. Thank you for your service. You'll be missed. America's weakened. Let's see who he nominates to, to replace them, and hopefully they'll do equally a good job, if not better. So the UN is back out, and it's peddling its fear. There was a new report that is out. And it's a 700-page report because, you know, the UN doesn't do things in half measures, boys and girls. Just doesn't. When the UN does something, they do something serious. And we all know through history, if you know anything about the UN, they're really good at writing really, really nasty letters and really long reports. That's their speciality. I think I think that's their in their mission statement. We'll never do anything, but we'll write nasty letters and long reports. I think that's their, I think actually that's what their motto is. That's all they do, right? Because they sure as hell don't stand for anything. But they have this new report where a panel of scientists have said, are you ready? I, I feel like I should be playing some dramatic music right now or maybe maybe meet the press music or, you know, you know, a bit of, bit of CNN breaking alert. You ready for this? The UN panel of scientists. Humans have 12 years to get their ecological affairs in order before the environment and climate change hits a critical tipping point. Now, 
I don't follow the UN as probably as close as I should because, you know, I value my sanity and I don't want to spend my day screaming and banging my head against a brick wall. I do that enough looking at your Congress. But wasn't there the whole team and the meme a couple of years ago? Because I, I distinctly remember John Kerry in his, you know, his sexy, fun, enthusiastic, you know, that lively voice John Kerry has that, you know, he always sounded like he was dancing and jigging along to what he was saying. You know, John Kerry, right? You know, former Secretary of State. I remember him giving several speeches about climate change and, and in his lively, sexy, deep, monotone voice saying, we have 500 days till climate chaos. Those 500 days have passed. What you will find right now is there is so much... I try and give people the benefit of the doubt, but I just don't want to anymore. Baloney and BS going around there. What you see, and I think it was Mark Levin that coined this, and it's, it's absolutely true. The new green movement is the new red movement. Because it's always the same baloney. They will do and say absolutely anything and wrap it in as much crap as they can. But they'll always keep a few kernels of truth in there. If they get to control your life. If they get to a point where they can tell you what to do. That is what they want. So this panel of scientists have released this new report. And basically saying we've 12 years to make leaps in, in innovations. Now, I didn't read the report. I read the bullet highlights, and I read loads of different reports on the report because 700 pages, I'm sorry. I love you guys, but 700 pages of a UN report just ain't happening. I'll read Supreme Court decisions. I'll read lots of other discussions, but I'm not reading 700 pages. I'll, I'll look for the bullet points and, and scan it and do searches on it for certain keywords. But one of the things that's always amazing me is when you hear them talking about climate change, think of all the people you've heard talk about climate change, whether it's Barack Obama, you know, John Kerry in his sexy, lively voice, Hillary Clinton in her, you know, robust principle, just reeks of awesomeness voice. Think of all the people who you see in the media talk about climate change. Do you ever notice the one thing that's always missing? Let's just say, for example, climate change is true. Do you ever notice one thing that's always missing? Because the one thing I always find that's missing is the people. The people. Finding solutions. You see, the UN and, and US governments, whether it's Barack Obama and all the other governments around the world, Ireland just did the same thing. The solution is always the same. We need to end capitalism. This, the solution is always the same. We're just going to use this to tax more of your money. We're just going to use this to funnel more money into another fund to get more control over your life. Think of the solutions to it. We need to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, so we're going to tax you if you do a certain amount of products or if you do a certain amount of business. Or we need to limit the amount of cows you can have on a certain green land. Or we need to limit the amount of fuel you have. Or we need to, to stop you using a certain type of fuel. We need to stop and put coal plants out of business. It's always the same solutions time and time again. It's amazing. The country changes. The politicians change. The answers always seem to stay the same. 
you know, if I may quote Barack Obama, uh, the one quote he always says that I always liked, you can put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. You can wrap it all in UN and reports and climate change and how you're just so compassionate. You can put lipstick on that pig all day you want. The same, it's the same pig, it's a form of tyranny. It's a form of, a form of control. The one thing that I always strikes me that is missing in all these reports and all these people who are talking and sharing talking points and all the media who parrot the talking points is the people are never mentioned. First segment of the show, I spent, what, 20 minutes plus talking to you all the advancements that we have seen in our everyday lives. Let's focus in just for a minute on some of those advancements which have made our world a more cleaner environment so one of the things is double glazed windows and triple glazed windows well how did that help the environment john well you know when you have double and triple glazed windows less energy goes out you lose less energy through the glass so the rooms stay warmer for longer which means you need less heat which means you burn less fossil fuels that's a great innovation Indirect. It saves you, the consumer, money. It saves, quote-unquote, the environment. Let's just play along that climate change is real and the world is going to end. Well, what other ways have we got better at? Well, cars. Cars have got better. Cars today are more fuel efficient than ever before. Cars burn less fuel. Get more miles to the gallon. There are many reasons for this. Good and bad. But they do that. We burn less fossil fuels. The other solution that they always put forward is to, to try and coerce you and force you or make it advan- you know, monetary advantage advantageous to act a certain way. You see this in Ireland. Ireland's just done this with a... They had this bill a couple of years ago they brought in where, you know, if you bought an electric car, you got less, you paid less car tax and you got a a rebate and you got all these different benefits for driving an electric car. Even though it's been proven, it's not from a right-wing site, it's from a left-wing site called Politico, who, you know, went into great analysis and actually shared it along with other sites. But I use Politico because I don't want to be accused of being a right-winger. Saying, you know what, actually, when it all said and done, the, you know, the electric car is worse for the environment than a gas car. Huh. It's funny that how electricity, which is, you know, made from coal, is more harmful to the environment than gas, which doesn't use coal. Right? It's amazing how that works. But yet again, we have a decision to make. Because right now, because everything is political, we need to stop and making things political. We need to be the people who dismantle the arguments and show the American people the right answer. Because there's the debate in America, which is framed this way, which I don't believe it is. Is well, you reader, you know, you're responsible for the environment, and you love the environment, and you know what's good for the environment. You 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 believe in renewable energy. Or you're one of those evil, racist, bigoted Republicans who only likes oil. Personally, that's neither of those are me. Personally, I'm for all energy. You know, I don't discriminate. I'm not, I actually, you know what, when it comes to energy, 
I'm pretty much non-discriminatory. Don't care. If you can find a way to safely make things cheaper, better, and safer for everyone, and it helps, you know, less CO2 into the environment, I'll do it. If you can find a way to make wind power successful, all, all credit to you. Don't see you putting windmills on cars anytime soon and making it go 65 or 70 miles an hour soon, but if you can, all power to you. I don't care. I don't care whether the future is solar, whether it's wind, whether it's gas, whether it's electricity. Even if it's, you know, this, I'm going to say a dirty word now, so brace yourself. Even if it's nuclear energy, you know the thing that's safer, cleaner, better, more efficient than all the other energies? But because it's nuclear and, you know, there's a thing called nuclear weapons, we don't allow that. I don't care what it is. Once it's the cleanest, safest, and most efficient of everything, of energy and of money, I'm good. But we never have these discussions. Look at how much our world has changed. Let's just again say for a second that climate change is real and we do have 12 years. The thing that's missing is the people. Okay, we have all these issues. Let the people solve them. But the green movement isn't the new red movement because it doesn't really want to solve them. It's just a way to gain control over your life. It's just a way to take more of your money under a compassionate, you know, a caring, a caring excuse. Just a way to take more money from you. We need to be the people who present the American people and the world the another choice. It isn't just option A or B. There's always option C. It's not left versus right, it's right versus wrong. And we need to be the people who make the case. Because as I keep saying, if we don't, who will? We need to make the case. And we need to make the case against what's happening in the UN right now. Because what they want to do is more control, more taxes, more big government, and more taking away power from your state. On a separate note, there was a report released, and Ireland was attacked in this report. Just to show you what's happening in other countries around the world, and how much we are really moving to a big world government, Ireland is one of seven countries that doesn't allow a certain thing. And last week it got slammed for it. What is that certain thing Ireland doesn't do and it's one of seven countries? Well, Ireland is this radical country. It's a really, really hateful country. It's a really despicable country. You see, Ireland has this policy. If you're Ireland, let me give you an example. Let's just use me as a guinea pig, right? Let's say tomorrow, for some reason, somehow, some way, some shape or form, I got an American visa. And I'm like, yes, finally, I get to go to America. And I get over to America. And let's just say I'm in America for the 1st of November. Let's just make it actually really simple. I'm there for the 1st of January 2019. Well, if I'm there on the 1st of January 2019, and let's say, because you go through the process, and I get my year visa, and I go through and I stay there a year, and then it gets renewed with the company, and I'm still living there. And I'm loving it because America is just an awesome place. My dream has come true. Well, Ireland is such a despicable, nasty, evil nation that should be condemned. That after 18 months which would be the 1st of the July 2020, I would no longer be eligible to vote in Irish elections. 
because I've left the country. I am no longer technically a citizen. I may have an Irish passport, but I'm not living in Ireland, and I have not been living in Ireland for 18 months. Ireland is one of seven countries that believes in this policy. I believe the times change, but Ireland is 18 months. Germany is one of the other countries. Malta is another one. There is massive pressure in Ireland, and I believe Ireland will succumb to the pressure because that's what Ireland does when it comes to politics and the EU. But Ireland will succumb to the pressure and let non-citizens vote. The reason there is a big push for this is because they want more people to vote, even though it doesn't affect them. Can you imagine me voting in an Irish election if I was living in America for 18 months? It doesn't affect me doesn't affect me. I don't live in that country anymore. But what you're seeing is this big push that, well, you have to be able to vote. You And what will eventually come is that you should be able to vote in two places. So in my case, I should be able to vote in Ireland. I should be invi- able to vote in America. I get two votes. I get to influence more people. I get to influence more people and more governments. Because a lot of people right now are not hearing the freedom arguments. All they are hearing is some type of socialism. It may be called socialism or it may be called some other label. It might be called the green movement. It might be called progressivism. It might be called modern day liberalism. The label doesn't matter, but what you are hearing around the world is some form of democratic tyranny. Where you have to live under a majority. Where you have to live in a democracy. Where the UN is some type of noble body. Where it can tell you. And where it can compel you to act a certain way. That is what the world is hearing. That is what the world knows. We're facing all these problems. And again. We need to be the voices. That says. No there is another option. There is option B, there is option C, whatever option you want to call it. The option of freedom, the idea of America, the idea that as I went through the first monologue of the show where I highlighted how our life has changed, the reason a large chunk of those have existed and have been created is because the idea of America, that idea that man is meant to be free. Where do you hear this around the world? Where is the bastions of freedom around the world? Where is the people saying, you know, just leave people alone. Let people decide right or wrong or good or bad. People have a right to decide their future. And yes, here's the great thing. They might screw it up, but it is their right to screw up their life. They might fail. They might set up a business and they might fail, but they have that God-given right to. Where do you hear that? Where do you hear the arguments for people being successful? About how that should inspire you to be successful. I don't hate Mark Zuckerberg because he's successful. I think Mark Zuckerberg's a pretty decent businessman. I don't hate Elon Musk. I don't hate Steve Jobs. I don't hate Tim Cook. All these people have in some way, shape or form, they're not perfect, they have their flaws like everyone else, but have made the world a more successful place. Why? Because of their ambition, because of their drive, because of their idea, because of their products. Who puts them on a pedestal today? And not them as people, but them as what they represent. Who puts freedom on a pedestal? Who puts the principles of freedom on a pedestal? I know I've said this in the show several times, but this is all that's going through my head. If not us, who? 
if the people who listen to this show, who the people who I've engaged with, are usually pretty conservative or libertarian between those two lines. If we are not making the case, who is left? Who is left? We need to be the ones making the case day in, day out for principles. Because if not us, who? Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Disciple on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, I'm on social media. If you think I'm right or you think I'm wrong or you know you want to discuss a certain issue on the show, drop me a message. I'm on Twitter at Freedom Disciple. I'm on Facebook, Jonathan Don58. Send me a follow, send me a private message. I do respond to all my private messages eventually. I love engaging with you on a, especially in a private setting because you can actually have a conversation. You know. I try and keep away from the public conversations because then everyone gets involved and it gets messy. And Whereas when we have a private conversation, we don't have to agree. We can agree to disagree and walk away friends, but I really enjoy discussing issues with you. I want to finish up today's show by, by talking to you about something that is potentially going to annoy you, but I ask you in advance to hear me out. Last week, y'all went through the whole Brett Kavanaugh thing. And we saw what happened after. We saw that people were chanting. We saw people banging on the, on the Supreme Court's door. Which, on a side note, just before we get to the serious thing, I broke my heart laughing. I, I, I honestly thought... Uh, you, you know the remember the whole Indiana Jones or you know all those old movies where you'd knock on the door or I actually had two images going through my head. First of all, you know you knock on the door and like you know it's like a secret maze and you find like the golden circle or the you know a pot of gold. You know if you do it just right, you know the secret formula to unlock the door. The other thing was, and this is just my personality, and I really do have a weird personality. Was as I saw the door, um been knocked, you know, the girl going, we need, we need let us in, we cannot have Kavanaugh, and she's slamming on the door, I just really wanted Lurch and Thing to answer the door from the Adams family, I, that just would have been so cool for me, but it's not going to happen, because it's the Supreme Court, but that's just on a, on, a, on a funny point, but on a serious note, we saw the protesters, and there are a lot of people who are upset right now, and I want to have a conversation with you about those people. But I want to help you, if I can, try and understand their mindset. Because what I saw, and I, I get the, I just mocked them in some way, shape, or form. I get the, the, the reaction to mock everyone. You know, you saw all these people crying and saying the world is going to end and all these different things. And yet again, the world is going to end and people are going to be murdered. It's amazing, you know, as I always say this. The American people seem to be cats. You all have nine lives because internet net neutrality was going to kill everyone. The tax cuts were going to kill everyone. Climate change is going to kill everyone. 
Kavanaugh was going to kill everyone. You're still alive. Every You must have nine lives or 29 lives by this stage. Because everything Tr- Trump getting elected was going to kill everyone. He was going to start World War Three. Remember, he was—you know—you couldn't have, you couldn't trust Trump with the red button. He just press it for fun one day. Well, two years later, it hasn't happened, has it? So I get the reaction to mock them, to see the tears. I get that. But we need to have a conversation about why they are feeling that way. Not the politics, but why they are feeling this way. Because we need to understand the ideology that they have been taught. You must understand the ideology that they have been taught. The ideology, in so many ways, yet again, is choices. Why is America an exceptional nation? America is exceptional for so many reasons. But your people are the secret sauce. Your people are the secret sauce. It's the reason I finish this show each and every week the way I do. America is great because Americans are good. You're not good because of Donald Trump. You're not good because of Paul Ryan or Mitch McConnell. You aren't good because of Barack Obama or Calvin Coolidge or Ronald Reagan. It's your people. And in many times you're great because Americans are good in spite of your government. But it goes down to the ideology. Because when you understand the idea of America that we talk about on this show each and every week, there are some subtle differences between that and what you see in democratic socialism and every other ism around the world. There are many differences, you know, the role of government, where rights come from, what government agencies do, what things, what the states do, what what rights you have. But there's one difference I want to talk to you about that's really important to understand why some people are feeling what they're feeling right now. And if we understand why they're feeling it, maybe we can make some inroads. One of the differences is who will fix things in society? Where do I come from? And I'm going to give you a real life example. So in Ireland right now, we are having a crisis that's been going on for about two years. It is a political crisis, but it is a serious issue behind it. And that issue is homelessness. I don't care who you are in Ireland, whether you're the quote-unquote supporter of the right-wing party, even though it's not right-wing as what you would consider right-wing. It's very much European right, and it's not really European right, it's European right lice. You're, whether you're the member of the, the left party or the socialist party or the people before profit party or, you know, Sinn Féin, regardless of your political party, regardless of how interested you are in politics or not, regardless of your place in society, whether you're just a voter or a worker or a taxpayer or, you know, someone who's on benefits or whether you're even a religious person, like, you know, Catholic priest, you all acknowledge there's a homeless problem. And yet, when you say there is a homeless problem in Ireland, usually what follows is the some type of sentence that goes along the lines of this. What is the government doing to fix it? That is what Ireland does, that is what England does, that is what Europe does. This idea that you need politicians. You'll see this, and Republicans are just as guilty of doing this as well. 
Watch the election ads that you see in your state. Watch the election ads that you'll see. How many people will present themselves with an issue, real or illegitimate, and their answer, their subtle message is the same. The message is, you need me. You need me in D.C. You need me in the governor's mansion. You need me. Because I will fix it for you. And both sides do this. The answer is, you need me. Vote for me. I will be your savior. I will fix the problems. I will fix D.C. I'll fix the budget. I'll fix Obamacare. I'll fix the border. I'll fix ICE. I'll sort out Donald Trump. Everyone will say, you need me. The idea of America is different. The idea of America is, you don't need anyone. You don't need anyone. You go fix it. You want to change the world, you go change it, boy. Go do it. Stop talking about it. Go do it. Don't point and say, you have a responsibility. What are you going to do about the homeless situation? What are you going to do about it? No, go do it yourself. Congratulations, you found a problem in society. What are you going to do about it? Because in America, it's about your people. It's about that idea. I know in a lot of places it's not like this anymore. But that idea of, it's your people. You see this every time there's a natural disaster. And the people of Florida are in our prayers and thoughts is what's happening right now. But you see this time and time again. When there's a natural disaster or when America has an issue, your people are the ones to step up. That is your country. That is still who you are. That is who you are. That is your track record. What you have, what you're seeing, and some of those tears are about, is that I'm going to be very blunt. They have been sold a bill of goods that they bought hook, line, and sinker, and that bill of goods is now no longer doing what it said it would do. Because what they were sold through politicians was that you need me. To fix everything. And we will fix everything. But the problem is when you have elections and you put all your eggs in one basket. And then you lose elections. Or they, you win elections and they break their promises. How would you feel? Just think about this in your everyday life. Let's say you have a concern in life right now. And I come to you and I say, look, I got you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to fix that problem for you. That you need me. I, I'm the only person who can fix it for you. And then I let you down. I don't do it. And the media and people around you are saying, wow, the problem has got 10 times worse because you've done nothing. How would you feel? How would you feel emotionally? Would you be angry? Would you be upset? Would you be frustrated? What is the solution? The solution is empowering the people. And this message is always hard to share. It's probably the hardest message 
that we are going to have to find a way to communicate with people. And the reason it's the hardest message is because it also takes work. So it's an empowering message to say, you don't need anyone to change the world. You can do it yourself. You don't need anyone. You don't need a Republican. You don't need a Democrat. You don't need a president. You can change the world. If you see an issue in society, you can change it. There is no reason why you can't. The problem and why it's the hardest message to share is, is because if they actually buy into that little glimmer of hope of, wow, I can actually change the world, and they believe it, that they don't need anyone else, that empowerment, that freeing message of, I can be free and I don't need anyone else, I'm not reliant on anyone else, I'm not dependent on anyone else, yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's a great feeling. Eventually that feeling runs out, and the realization hits them that, oh, crap, that means I've got to do a lot of work. Yes, you have a lot of work to do. So it is the hardest message and the hardest principle, potentially, we have to share and we have to find, I don't have the right way to share us. I wreck my brain all day, many days, trying to find a way to share and communicate this message. Because it's not popular. But I've shared this message with you today to share a little insight. Look, we need to distinguish and judge people by the individual. We need to judge people by the content of their character. There are some people who are around the Kavanaugh thing, and we need to make very clear, clear distinguishing lines in the sand. Am I saying people of Antifa can be reached? The hardline members, the founding members? No. Don't even waste your breath nearly. Do I think you can reach members in the Democratic Party, as in the, the politicians themselves? No. They have too much of a vested interest. They only care about their own power. Their interest is, you need me. And if I create enough need for you to need me, I'll get elected. And I'll get elected time and time and time again. And especially right now where you're in an era of the lesser of two evils. You don't even have to be a good Democrat for you to need me. For you to need that Democrat. You can just point out going, well look, I know I haven't done everything I said I was going to do because well, things are hard in D.C., but you're really going to vote for the Republican? No. Democrat. That's what you're seeing right now. Am I saying you're going to reach people who, a large chunk of people who are protesting on the street against Brett Kavanaugh? No. But the heartland, the mainstream Democrat, who's just on their everyday life, yeah, we can reach them. But also, we can reach some people who are really hardline right now. I don't know whether you want to spend the time or the effort. That's up for each and everyone to make a decision. But people can change. You know, there were people in the Westest Baptist, the Westboro Baptist Church who were surrounded by hate who changed. And they were surrounded in love, in understanding, in compassion. There is no limit in this life. We can't change anything if we want to. It's just a matter of whether we're willing to put in the work. I get the frustration. I get. I feel your frustration. I saw what is happening in your country right now. I have been a, a public commentator for a long time. I've been around your politics for a long time. 
I don't think I have ever written anything close or spoken about anything close to what I spoke about last week of how worried I am for your country. I am very worried about where your media is going to drive you. I am very worried, as I saw this week, your media find a new low to stoop to where they're, you know, you're not allowed to use the M-word. I'm sorry, what's the M-word? No, you can't. Shh, don't use the M-word. You don't, 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 that's banned around here. I'm sorry, just, can you, can I, can I buy a vowel? What M-word are we talking about here? Because there's a lot of M-words, and I'm struggling to think of a curse word that begins with M. Mob. That's not a mob, they're nuts. This is some of the conversations that you're dealing with in your media. Just ignore them. Ignore them, no one's watching. But we need to make the case to the people. And we need, once again, I've said it, said it several times, we need to be the people who provide the real alternative. The alternative of the idea of America. Look, I don't know what your future holds. I'm not, I'm not Mystic John. I'm not sitting here in a cloak, you know, with, a, with an orb and looking at the world. And I'm not here reading your tarot cards and... I'm not even here looking at the lines of America and seeing where they're all intersecting and I'm not reading your tea leaves. I don't know what your future holds. Can't see the future. Go ring a psychic and if you believe in that type of thing, if you want that. Or if I may quote, if I may quote the great one, go phone Hannity, he'll deal with it. But I'm not here to tell you that. I don't know what your future is. You can even believe in making America great again. Okay. I want to make America exceptional again. I want America to be the country and be the people I know you can be. Because I know this because that is the people you have been in the past. We can have... I can get the frustration where you want to feel like screaming at people. I get the frustration where you want to laugh and mock at people. But we also need to understand that we need to make inroads. We need to understand why Bonhoeffer won. We need to understand why Martin Luther King won. And you need to understand, if I may be honest with you, why the GOP won last week with Brett Kavanaugh? Why is it in the Senate that poll after poll after poll is showing Republicans gaining advantage? Why did they win? Because they actually stood for something. They stood up, they were kind, they were compassionate, they were respectful. And I mean, I would say this about all people. I would say this about Mitch McConnell. I don't like Mitch McConnell. I can't stand Mitch McConnell. I say this about Lindsey Graham. Publicly. I've never said anything positive about Lindsey Graham my whole life. Last week, he stood for something. Lindsey 2.0 is pretty good so far. It'll, I'm waiting for disappointments, but let's be hopeful here. Your Republicans won for a reason. Because the, they gave the American people an option. Of real bad... And real good. And the American people, through the polls, are saying, real good wins. That is who your people still are. But so often, we don't give the American people the choice of good. We don't give them the choice of the Constitution. You don't give them the choice of limited government. You don't give them the choice of free markets. You don't give them the choice of just leave it people the hell alone. You don't give them the choice of being good, honest, decent people. You give them the choice of, well, it's the lesser of two evils. Or it's Republican versus Democrat. Or liberal versus conservative. 
We, if we make the case, you win. You win. And not only do you win, but those around you win. The people win. The next generation win. The generation after them win. And if you're in this for your ego, which I know some people in my industry are, if you really need your ego stroked, if you get and stand for principles, people will remember you for a long time. You will live in eternity. Because people will remember that you, among others, stood for real freedom. And that you should be remembered. I say this not just a pure fiction. Well, if you just do this, America will survive. I say this because of your history. You have been, you are divided right now, but you're divided by lesser of two choices, by parties. And we need to make it about ideas. The left are revealing themselves as democratic socialists. What will you reveal yourself as? As a lesser alternative? Or the idea of America? That idea of man is meant to be free. Will you give the American people a choice? If you want to make a, a one fancy a, you know, catchphrase of what is America's future deciding on, it is that. Will you give the American people a choice of real, substantive good? Of love, of principles, of ideas? Or will you just go along and say, well, we're, not the, we're the lesser of two evils, or we're not them? Choice is yours. I'm not an American. But this show, I can tell you where it stands. As long as I have a platform, as long as I have breath in my lungs, as long as I can talk and my voice holds out, I will be doing everything I can to promote you, your history, your ideas, why you changed the world and why you will do it again, why you must do it again. Because let me tell you, as someone who is on the outside looking in, the world desperately needs your principles, man. <laughs> the world really badly needs that introduction. Hey, I'm America. This is who we are. The world needs that. Badly. I hope this show has given you something to think about. Uh, I hope you get in touch I'm on social media, Freedom Disciple on Twitter, Jonathan Dunn 58 as always, we finish this show the way we do each and every week. Saluting your firefighters, your police officers, your emergency personnel, and your vets. You know, the men and women who risk everything to fight for freedom 24-7. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. Never, ever, 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 ever forget, America is great. Not because of Trump, not because of the GOP, not because of the Democrats. But because of each and every one of you, America is great because Americans are good. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, please subscribe and we'll see you then. God bless. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.